You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear saints of God, Jesus is preaching like He's preaching in the Sermon on the Mount because He knows that one of the biggest threats to your salvation is your own good works. Your own good works. Jesus knows that there is actually a danger with the Ten Commandments. And the danger is that we think that we've kept them. Jesus knows that among all the idols that are in the world, perhaps the most universal of every idol, the most common of every false religion and false doctrine, is the illusion of our own goodness. And so Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, and especially the text that we have today, is mounting an assault on this. On that little trophy room in our hearts where we put up a little statue of ourselves on the shelf. And we give ourselves merit badges and ribbons and medals and hang them on the wall where there's a plaque on the door that says, I'm a pretty good person. Jesus is finding that room and He's tearing it apart because He knows that it's dangerous to you. It's dangerous because it cuts us off from the Lord's mercy and His kindness and His help. Jesus will say later in the Gospel of Matthew that it's the sick who need a doctor, not the righteous. If you're healthy, or you think you're healthy, then you don't go see the doctor. If you think that you're a picture of health and vitality, and some guy walks up to you in a white suit and starts telling you to take some pills and it'll make your hair fall out and you'll lose your appetite and you'll feel terrible for months, you balk at that fellow unless you know that you have cancer. And then, then you hand over your life savings for those pills. It's the sick that need a doctor who know they need help. And it's sinners who need a savior who know they need help. Christ Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am the greatest, says St. Paul, which leaves us this morning, if we want to be the object of Christ's saving work, one task, and that is this, to be a sinner. Now, you say, Pastor, I can do that. I got that covered. But Jesus doesn't think so. He thinks you need help. In fact, that's what He's doing on the Sermon on the Mount. He's helping you be a sinner. He's showing you your sin. He's ripping the mask off of your self-deluded righteousness, tearing the door off of your whitewashed tomb, and showing the rot and the filth underneath. He says, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you were standing there, on the mountain that day, listening to Jesus preach this sermon. At this point, when Jesus says these words, you get a pit in your stomach. Did he really just say what I thought he said? That we have to be better, better than the scribes and more holy than the Pharisees? 
And if we're not, we can't get into heaven? Nobody's better than the Pharisees. The Pharisees, remember, had dedicated their whole and entire lives to keeping the law, to keeping the commandments. They even had created more commandments to make sure they couldn't even get close to breaking the Ten Commandments. The Pharisees had laws about what to wear, about where to sit, about when to walk, about what to carry, about how to talk and when to listen, how to eat and how to sleep and how to wash and how to pray. And they had it down. And the people generally would have looked up to the Pharisees. I think we're tempted to forget this. I mean, we read the Pharisees because we've been reading our whole lives the Gospels and we know that they're the bad guys. But the people would have looked up to the Pharisees. They would have been the heroes, the role models. Maybe my son will, be grow, will grow up to be a Pharisee, the people would say. Or maybe my daughter will grow up to marry one. These, the Pharisees, are the people who have kept the commandments, you see, at least in their own estimation, and have by this keeping of the commandments earned God's good favor. If anybody was going to make it to heaven, it was going to be the Pharisees. And here Jesus comes along and says, nope, not good enough. All the Pharisees, with all their laws and rules and instructions and effort, oh, the effort, all of this cannot cut it. You, says Jesus, have to do better. Better than them. Better than that. And as Jesus preached this, there would have no doubt been a wave of despair wash across the crowd gathered there, at least with the normal people. I suspect with the Pharisees, it was a bit of a wave of anger. <laughs> but then, Jesus isn't done. You think you know Moses? You've heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But Jesus has more to say. He goes after the Ten Commandments. And He starts with the easiest one to keep. I suspect if you went out on the street and asked people to name for you the Ten Commandments, if they could name one, they would get this one. You shall not murder. And if they could keep one, it would be this one. At least I've never murdered anybody. Right? You've never ended the life of your neighbor, or so you think. But Jesus is going to preach a different view of things. And this really is horrifying for us. I say to you, says Jesus, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Insult is murder. Anger is murder. You, you are a murderer. Which you'll have to admit is a rather uncomfortable conclusion to reach on a nice summer Sunday morning. I'm a murderer. And if that's how you fare with the easiest of the commandments to keep, how will it be with you with the rest of them? Jesus answers the question by preaching the sixth commandment. This is the section after our gospel reading. You've heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
Sin is not just a matter of the hands and of the body and our outward acts. Sin is also with our eyes and with our minds and with our hearts. For out of the heart, says Jesus, comes every evil thought. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. So we stand condemned again. You're an adulterer. A murderous adulterer. Or an adulterous murderer, whichever way you want it. And that's according to two commandments. There are eight more. You see, in the hands of the Pharisees, the Ten Commandments were a checklist of their accomplishments, but in the hands of Jesus, the Ten Commandments is a list of charges. Idolatry. Guilty. Blasphemy. Guilty. Despising the Lord's Word. Guilty. Rebellious. Guilty. Murder. Guilty. Adultery. Guilty. Theft. Guilty. Lying. Guilty. Despising God's good gifts. Guilty. Guilty. Guilty as charged. There is none who does good, says King David. No, not one. And that no one, if you can believe it, includes you. That little voice, that little voice that tells you that you're a pretty good person, that voice is wrong. Your sinful flesh, which stands there with deep solemnity and swears an oath that your intentions were good, your sinful flesh is wrong. And every one of your good works every single one of them, insofar as it reinforces the damnable delusion of your own goodness, is dangerous for your own salvation because it drives you from Christ and His cross, not towards them. The death of Jesus is of no use for a holy person. The cross of Jesus is of no help to the person without sin, without real and terrible and hell-worthy sinfulness. But you are a sinner. Jesus and Moses have shown you that. Your sin runs through your heart and your mind and your mouth and your hands. There is no righteousness in you. No righteousness at all. And yet the words of Jesus still echo through this room and through our own conscience. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You don't have this righteousness. I don't have it. Nobody does. And that's the point. Nobody does but Jesus. 
If you then, dear friend, hope to find a righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, if you want to find this righteousness that prevails before God the Father in heaven, the righteousness that, that has for you an open door to heaven, there is only one place and one name, Jesus. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Christ is your righteousness. Jesus is your holiness. It is in His death that you are declared once and for all not guilty by the Father in heaven. His blood covers the commandments and silences their accusations and brings an end the condemnation of the law so that you would have the righteousness of Christ. That little voice that tells you you're a good person, that voice is silenced by the law of God so that you can hear clearly another voice. The voice of the gospel. The voice of your Jesus who knows your sins and died for your sins and rose for your sins and says to you that your sins are forgiven. That your iniquity is cast into the sea. That your transgressions are removed from you as far as the east is from the west. That you are holy, not with your own holiness, but with His. You are righteous, not with your own righteousness, but with His. You are perfect, not because you've done everything right, but because He calls you perfect. And He calls you friend. And He calls you your His, His own dear child. He calls you to be a child of the Heavenly Father and gives you a place in heaven. Jesus, your Jesus, would cast down the idol of your own goodness so that He would take its place. His death, His life, and His perfection would stand there in your heart testifying not to your sin, but to His death and His resurrection. I'm a good person? No. I'm a forgiven sinner? Yes. I'm righteous? No. I'm declared holy by Jesus? Yes. I deserve God's good favor? No. Jesus has won God's smile for me. Yes. And that smile, dear saints, that smile goes on forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 9.15, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 10.45 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.